This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And today on the show, we're talking with Sean and Addison, founders of Switch Social, a local make-your-own-ice-cream sandwich shop in Italian Village. During the show, we start off talking with them about the early days of Switch and how they got their start right before COVID-19 flipped the world on its head. We did a baby shower catering event. And that's kind of how we started doing some small events. And like a week later is when the shutdown happened. So we didn't have much time to think about it. I mean, we kind of just had to pivot on the fly. Sean and I literally were going to go to go Vegas and do March Madness. So that was like our last, let's get this out of the way and then launch a business. And the world had other plans. Later, we talk about their plans for expanding and how partnerships fit into that formula. So in terms of partnerships, we view it one as product. So right now we partner with Bucks for Pups. Uh, she makes homemade Buckeyes and we have a Buckeye Sunday with her. So there's a lot of opportunity and desserts to do that. But then strategic partners in terms of where we go, right? So can we partner with different events or concert venues or you kind of name it, right? But you know, we understand that we have to establish ourselves first with that. So we're very much open to it and looking at it, but it has to be the right fit too. We're very particular about our brand and who we partner with. So we want to make sure it's a mutual fit. We wrap up the show talking about some lessons learned along the way as Sean and Addison have gone about building Switch Social. What this teaches you is there is no one right way to do anything. You're not going to know the right answer. It's a very gray area. You have to be able to function in a, an operation in this. You just don't know. So you're creating supply chain from scratch. What does that look like? You're creating an experience for people that they've never seen before. What does that look like in Columbus? So really about being scrappy <laughs> for sure. And just Sean and I are both very different people. And just because of that, it works out super well. Like we just always are bouncing different things off of each other and looking at things differently. And if we were the same type of person, like would not have worked. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the interview. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, and it's just me and Josh today here in the booth. Josh, what's going on? Not much, man. I'm excited for this one. I've been uh, exploring this location for the past few weeks, which has been good. Oh, I'm too hot in the mics. You A little turn hot. I had to turn you down. Yeah. Sorry. I've yeah, been exploring this one for the last few weeks, and uh, I'm excited to uh, give them my, my passion for their product. <laughs> and, I, a, and and hopefully encourage them to make a larger You're going to scare size. them before we get them out of the booth, Josh. But uh, our guests on the show today are Sean Whited and Addison Brown. And Sean and Addison are the co-founders of Switch Social, a build-your-own ice cream sandwich shop based in Italian Village. And Sean and Addison launched Switch. Am I saying that right? Switch Social in March of 2021. And uh, Josh has been one of their biggest customers, as I already mentioned. Josh is a big ice cream guy. But we're excited to talk with Addison and Sean about the launch of Switch, how it's been received so far, what their plans are for the future. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, they're doing well. Let's get introductions out of the way so everyone knows whose voice is whose. I'm Sean. Yep, and I'm Addison. And first place we typically like to start, guys, is just get a little bit of background on yourself. So as far back as, hey, maybe where you grew up, highlights along the way, and then then we can get into kind of the, the evolution of Switch and how that came about. But uh, maybe we'll start with Addison. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually from northern Michigan, so Traverse City, Michigan. So I graduated from Michigan State, came down to Columbus, and worked for a company for a couple of years, then moved downtown uh, in 2015. So I work in supply chain. So my whole background essentially since I've graduated has been all operations and supply chain. 
Is that what your degree was in at Michigan State? Yeah, that's correct. So when you got done, uh, did you, what, what industry did you jump into? Like, what were you doing supply chain in? Yeah, so it's manufacturing, uh, not to get into in depth, but like the oil and gas industry, there's a company like Mount Vernon, Ohio, very niche. Um, so they need supply chain people, a lot of different products moving. So did that for a couple of years. And now I'm at uh, another company here locally. Okay. And Sean? Yep. Uh, grew up in Northeast Ohio, Canton. Um, went out to undergrad in the Boston area, Massachusetts. So spent time out there, started my career in Boston, came back here for grad school. Actually, that's where Addison and I met Ohio state been here ever since. And are you guys both still working outside of uh, switch? So that's, you guys have tons of time to do things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we're kind of used to it. We, so we both did like the working professional MBA program at Ohio state. Mm-hmm. So that's what Sean was kind of alluding to. So keeping busy and, and doing things that are kind of like what we like to do. So how did, how did you guys in, uh, in the industries you guys were in get into ice cream? Yeah. Funny story. So we both had an interest in entrepreneurship, uh, growing up, my, my mother and her best friend at a desserts business, they did like chocolates, chocolate covered things. Funny now is myself and her daughter, we run the bakery here. So, you know, we grew up in desserts, knew about it. And then the opportunity presented itself in business school. So so you guys are doing the working professional program and your background was in supply chain. What was yours in when you went out to Boston? Oh, I was a sociology major, a liberal arts college. So nothing functional at all. So I was in business school. So, <laughs> so you're studying uh, how, how people interact and work, right? And uh-huh. then you're studying how products move. And then you guys decided to come together and create ice cream sandwiches, yeah. which honestly sounds not really like it makes any sense. So, <laughs> so you guys are sitting down and you're working professional program and you're thinking like, hey, like we want to be entrepreneurs. Uh, obviously the, the dessert side, that background is probably a little bit of an inspiration and idea behind it. But, uh, where'd you guys come up with the concept and think that we actually had something that the market wanted and that we could pull off better than what anybody else was doing? So I think we actually initially talked about it in my apartment in Durham village, but we kind of saw it missing in the market. We're huge foodies in Columbus, like everyone else, um, dessert specifically love the ice cream in this town. Just thought it was missing, you know, a good quality artisan ice cream sandwich. So kind of started testing testing cookies in my kitchen. And then it kind of developed from there. And that was all pre-pandemic. So then the pandemic kind of changed things from there. Yeah. As you're planning all of this, right? I, that, that seems like that would be a little bit of a wrench in the works for a launch. So when were you originally planning all this and, and getting ready to you know launch the space? I think we started October, 2019. Yeah. Hoping to launch so like spring of the 2020. Rumblings, the rumblings of COVID are coming out of uh, China at that point. Maybe it was November when we first started hearing about it. And uh, at that moment, did you think at all, any chance, like what, what, you know, there's no way you're thinking, Hey, this might impact our business a little bit. We, yes. But I think when we, we did a, a baby shower catering event and that's kind of how we started doing some small events. And I think a week later is when the shutdown happened. So we didn't have much time to think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of just had to pivot on the fly. Yeah. Sean and I literally were going to go to go Vegas and do March Madness. So that was like our last Let's get this out of the way and then launch a business and the world had other plans. Yeah. So you guys come up with a concept and then obviously I'm assuming just being in the work professional program, you start to put together a business plan and start to think about this from uh, an economic standpoint. But then where do you start to go to really uh, go zero to one? Like, do you guys say, hey, we're going to get commercial kitchen space first? Or are we going to do this lean? Are we going to do this out of somebody's living room or not a living room, probably a kitchen? I would assume you don't have an oven Kitchens in your living good. room. Kitchens would be good. Well, you might walk into the living room as you're baking. <laughs> It kind of started as, hey, let's just try this. You know, let's try to come up from the get-go. We wanted to nail the cookies. 
you know, we, we thought that was very much missing. You know, we, you want to have a perfect ice cream sandwich cookie. So we spent a lot of time just testing. And then we did, like I said, we did some small pop-up events and then that all changed. The pandemic hit. I don't think any of us were thinking about much of anything for a couple months, but once we kind of got up and running in the summer, we decided to go the pop-up route. And that's when we started going to different places and we had to look through commercial kitchens and kind of repivot everything on the fly and spent that summer popping up around town and, and testing. I mean, we'd, we'd bring different things to different events and see how customers like them. And that helped us kind of evolve our business from there. Yeah. Kind of like blessing in disguise in a way, because they allowed us to be in Sean's apartment for the pandemic, like nothing else going on. So like recipe development that was just cranking out hours and hours on end, just trying to figure out what we want to nail down. And then also what do people like? So before we tried to open a store, getting out there and testing the product in front of people. And so we we chose a lot of outdoor places because obviously pandemic, that's what you had to do. Mm -hmm. So breweries, so land grant, you know, they did their movie nights on Wednesdays. We would be there. Uh, They were super, super awesome. Loved working with them. And then um, just things like that, honestly. So we did that from August, September, October, and then closed things down to try to lift up the shop and get it ready to roll for spring 2021. We did a lot at Italian Village just because we we really wanted to be in that neighborhood. So mm-hmm. we'd go to Seven Sun. Uh, we'd go to Hufarded behind their pool. Um, we worked with Jeffrey Park, which is the apartment complex kind of attached to Hufarded, and spent a lot of time there with their customers. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I could not be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So you guys you guys are sourcing product, and I'm assuming that it's stuff that's not crazy perishable. So maybe it can be stored uh, at somebody's house or are you storing it at a warehouse? Like where are you guys keeping all the things? Then how did logistics work from taking it there to actually taking it and baking it? Or are you storing it at the commercial kitchen? Like how does the whole setup work? 1400 Food Labs where we operated out of, they're great and they have a lot of space. So we rented dry storage space. We rented freezer space, refrigerator space. We were big from the beginning from baking everything fresh daily for events. So sourcing ingredients, that's that's Mr. Brown. But in terms of storing and baking, that was same day. That was pretty big for us from the beginning. Yeah. Right before our first pop-up, like in there at midnight, just getting it right. Like I'm just, I will never forget, <laughs> never forget right before our first pop-up land grant, Sean and I in there at midnight, just like, that's, this is it. This is the last time we have to tweak anything. Like this is what we're rolling with. So, and it ended up, you know, we were doing really, really well. Like our very first event, we had a, like one of the really famous food bloggers, I believe the date night Columbus, I believe just happened to catch on and like growing it from there. So it's been, it's been cool. So as you transitioned from the pop-up shop to an actual location, what changed? What was, what were you focusing on as part of that transition and, and, and how did that change the way you guys were going about your day to day? Well, if you'd ever see us driving down fourth street, lugging an ice cream shop on the back of a pickup truck or in a trailer was not something we want to do long-term. We knew from the beginning, this pop-up version of Switch was short-term. So everything was kind of with the intention of a store opening when we could. You know, the pop-ups were great. We loved it, but we we had an eye on storefronts. So we were evaluating real estate. We were looking at locations, um, everything we could to kind of get that done. And how were you thinking about things from a financing standpoint? Did you say that, hey, we're going to self-fund it until we do pop-ups, until we hit 
cash flow break even and then we're going to put the cash back into finding real estate or did you raise money? How did you approach that? Yeah, so it was self-funded from us. So we are pretty big about just as much as we could to like keep it sustainable. We don't want to like own people money. So we uh, we are, again, we, we've been working for 10 plus years. So like every little penny has gone into the shop. So that uh, that's kind of what was our approach and just whatever we could to find the money, we, we found a way. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So how does it work then? If I go to the shop right now, what do I do? So it's build your own adventure, really. So you walk in, you know, everything about us is the experience. So no one needs cookies and ice cream to survive. So Josh would debate you on that one. I mean, we love it, but, you know, we understand that this is a treat. It's, you know, it's an experience. You go and get ice cream because you're having a great day or a bad day. So we want to make sure that every aspect of our shop is aligned to that. So you come in, step ones, pick your cookies. So we have rotating seasonals, but we have a lot of the favorites that are always in store. And then you pick your ice cream, step two, and then we also roll it in topping as a step three. That's our core products. Uh, we also have a, a sundae, which is a half size. So it's one cookie, one scoop. We have some other auxiliary products, but 90 plus percent of our customers are getting a switch or a sundae. And how have you guys thought about optimizing that experience? Do you, do you feel like it's at the point where you're totally satisfied and it's just about continuing to crank out orders here in the hometown and then scaling? Or how are you looking at the business at this point now that you finally have a home? It'd be funny to listen to this a year from now. I mean, we're in month three, so Mm -hmm. we're still figuring a lot of that out. We still don't do in-store dining, for example. It's carry-out only. So that's evolving over time. In terms of what we want, I think when customers come in our store, they love the experience and they love the customer service. And those are two things that we just don't want to sacrifice. So as we look to grow, we want to make sure we're doing it in a way that we don't sacrifice those things. But in terms of, I mean, we've, we've had to change multiple different times, right? I mean, our first day of operation, our grand opening, we couldn't allow customers in one group at a time. People were waiting an hour and a half in our parking lot. Now people can wait in line in store, but we still don't have seating. We have benches outside, but nothing in store. So I'm sure it'll change again over the summer too. It makes a lot of sense. Have you guys ever thought about, I mean, I'm guessing no because of the gourmet experience, but have you ever thought about doing packaged sandwiches or, you know, anything like that to get the brand out there more? Giving away all our secrets. <laughs> so we're not there yet. That's a, that's a different channel, right? And right. It's a completely different kind of business model. Everything's different about it, but we've thought about it. Definitely. And you guys chose like, I mean, like bringing uh, all those different products, I guess, into one item and then calling that a product as an ice cream sandwich. Like you're now uh, a cookie manufacturer and a, a baker, however you want to define that term. You are also ice cream artisans and having to figure out how to source those ingredients or whether you're going to make them yourself or not. And obviously you guys have focused on the the cookie part of it. It sounds like you really wanted to master that. How do you guys see the business moving forward? Like I would assume a lot of reasons that people maybe haven't entered this in the past is being good at all of those things, plus creating an experience, plus doing it in a way that you can scale is got to be really difficult. You know, it's like some companies spend 30, 40, however many years just being good at ice cream or just being good at cookies. So when you guys think about that, like where does your mind go? How do you guys think that you're going to master all those and continue to do that moving forward? We want to do it smart. And I think for both him and I, we're, we're very passionate about this. I mean, we could talk here for hours about 
how a cookie should function with ice cream, right? And that's not normal conversation at a dinner table or a podcast. So I think we're passionate about growing it, but we want to grow it, like I said, in the right way. So as we look at it, any potential fits, we want to make sure we're not sacrificing the product. One step at a time for sure. So a little over two months into this thing, it's going well. We will continue to evaluate and see what our options are, but we're really happy with the shop that we have in Italian Village and still perfecting it. Like it's every week, something is throwing a wrench in our plans and we're constantly fixing it or thinking of different way to approach it. So I think we're still, you know, really hitting home. Like let's make sure that Italian Village shop is our, it's our first one, right? It's like their first baby. So mm-hmm. we just have to make sure it's as great as it can possibly be. What do you guys see the biggest challenges going forward as you kind of continue to scale the shop and over the next year or so? You name it really. I mean, I'm, I'm on the marketing side, so competition pretty fierce here, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with that in Columbus and we're team dessert. I mean, we're the nights that we're closed, we're going to other ice cream shops, honestly. So uh, competition is there. Scale's tough. Like opening one restaurant is tough. Opening another one, 10 times worse. Right? Yeah, it feel, so, well, feels, yeah, they feel like, oh yeah, after your first one, it's fine. I'm like the second one though. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's the, yeah, the scaling supply chain wise gets more complex. Capacity gets more complex and just our time, mm-hmm. right? Like the one thing you cannot solve is our resource, our time. So how do we even do that? So we think about it and talk about it every single week and monitor, like, how is it doing? What do we want out of this? And just continue to evolve it. And Sean and I are always on the same page because we're always communicating with each other about it. So just something we just always in the back of our mind, always talking about it. What do you guys think about partnerships? I mean, Columbus is, like you mentioned, such a foodie city and there's so many people that are scrappy and trying to create their own thing or testing things. And it seems to be uh, an environment where people are very eager to help each other. Have you guys, and I know you're still young in, in, in terms of uh, entering this, but have you guys thought long-term about strategic partnerships that you would be excited about in the city? Or is it you just, you're, you're really about making your own brand and your own presence? There's multiple channels there. So in terms of partnerships, we view it one as product. So right now we partner with Bucks for Pups. Uh, she makes homemade Buckeyes and we have a Buckeye Sunday with her. So there's a lot of opportunity and desserts to do that but then strategic partners in terms of where we go, right? So, you know, can we partner with different events or concert venues or you kind of name it, right? But, you know, we understand that we have to establish ourselves first with that. So we're very much open to it and looking at it, but it has to be the right fit too. You know, we're we're very particular about our brand and who we partner with. So we want to make sure it's a mutual fit. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. So something that I always hear is difficult, especially first time restaurant, first time food business like this is FDA regulations, food service regulations, sanitization, especially I'm imagining today. 
in the current environment. Has that been, has that been a challenge for you guys or is that with your supply chain background, has that been something that's been pretty familiar? We'll multiply that by a hundred for being outsiders, right? So <laughs> first food business, um, we had a lot of time over the pandemic to get ready for it. Yeah, honestly. So there's a lot of just things you, I guess that what this teaches you is there is no one right way to do anything. You're not going to know the right answer. It's a very gray area. You have to be able to function in a, an operation in this. You just don't know. So you're creating supply chain from scratch. What does that look like? You're creating an experience for people that they've never seen before. What does that look like in Columbus? So honestly, it's just really about being scrappy <laughs> for sure. And just, again, I think Sean and I are both very different people. And just because of that, it works out super well. Like we just always are bouncing different things off of each other and looking at things differently. And if we were the same type of person, like would not have worked. Mm-hmm. What about situations like food allergies? Like how do you guys deal with trying to accommodate all of the different unique situations that people have out there, especially in an environment where you have to worry about preparation and things like that? Like if you, whether you're talking gluten allergies or something, do you guys ever plan on expanding to those categories? So that's where my type A comes in. So Addison talking about being different people, you have to be meticulous, right? And fortunately or unfortunately, we have a couple of friends that are very much allergic to a lot of different things. So we bounce ideas off of them. So everything's very intentional in our shop. So where the allergen cookies are in a very specific place, same with ice cream, they'll be in a certain part of our dipping cabinet. We have processes in place for our staff every step of the way and reminders and call outs and things like that. But it's tough. I mean, honestly, serving the product is one of the easier ways to deal with allergies. It's the preparation that's even worse, you know, making the cookies. So we do have a gluten-free cookie. It's, it's not always on our menu and it's because we have to get our kitchen deep cleaned. Right. And we have to make sure that someone that comes in with celiac disease can eat our cookie and eat our food. So we, we talk about it often, you know, different categories, but again, we're, we're only going to do it if it's safe. No, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So as you guys continue to scale and grow, what are the goals moving forward? I mean, it sounds like you guys are just focused on getting this one shop up and running and launching, but have you thought about long-term? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we were open to expanding locally, keeping Columbus, whether that be maybe another location or some other sort of way of figuring it out. But again, we're super happy with this shop. It's very much a passion project for us. And we'll kind of see how that goes. There's lot of different routes we can take. Uh, there's a lot of different ways about like where we want our money to go. So like, you know, a lot of this money is just going to go right back into the business and where we feel best fit, we'll continue to evaluate it. So yeah, we're talking about it all the time for sure. Seems like, seems like you guys are, you know, kind of, Hey, let's take it one thing at a time and very, very focused in on what you're doing now. So is that, I mean, pretty accurate? Yeah. You can't look ahead to 10 shops. You have to make sure one is right. successful first. So, you know, we're doing really well so far. We want to see consistency over time and we'll go from there. Yeah. We're again, being business owners, like it's very skeptical mm-hmm. two or three months. Like what does that even mean? Yep. How about a full year picture? Can you, can we get there? You don't know your demand. It goes up and down a rainy day. We're just like, what is going on here? One rainy day is like, okay, what's going on? But honestly, it's been super fun. And until it, it, just, it has to continue to be that as well. Like mm-hmm. just has to continue to be fun for us. If it's not like, then we're done. It's not, not worth it. Yeah. Speaking of the shop, where is it? If people want to go visit, where, where do they need to go? Yeah. So first and fourth. So if you know where Hoof Heart it is, mm-hmm. so we're at Kitty, Kitty Corner to them. So right in the heart of Italian village, I used to live at the Jeffrey right across the street, like five years ago. 
never would have thought that I was going to own a business like right across the street from it because it was like a laundromat, mm -hmm. a really rundown laundromat that just had never even thought twice about. And then, of course, it gets built up. Italian Village is just blowing up, just apartments going up every single week, it feels like. So just we really love to be in that area. We love the places in that area. You know, Bud Dairy opening mm -hmm. up has been awesome too. So it's just kind of a nice little niche community outside of the short north, and we love it. Well, yeah, if you want to go try it first and fourth, you'll see Josh there. If you see a man with probably uh, two ice cream sandwiches stacked on top of each other and covered in peanut butter, you know it's Josh. <laughs> I haven't been there that much, but I I, I wish I would have be there more often. <laughs> and I could probably could have worded that sentence better. But yeah. I, I do enjoy going. And when every time I go, I feel like it gets super excessive, though, because I will get the biggest thing in the menu. I think you guys call it like the ice cream sundae or something. And uh, it's just like everybody behind you, their order takes like 30 seconds. And I'm like, all right, well, so it's like a minute and a half later. I'm like still adding more shit onto it. <laughs> I think you're the one that gets the split. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, He's so the one that gets the split. <laughs> yeah. You're known. Oh, it's great. No, like two cookies, three scoops of ice cream, yep. three toppings. It's a beautiful creation. Sounds like it's right up Josh's alley. I like because they always hand me two spoons too because I think that they Jenna's think gonna, they, they think that Jenna's going to eat it too. And she's like, do you notice they always give you two spoons? And I'm like, yep, we're going to throw this one away. <laughs> not touching this. I think that's probably a good place to kind of head towards our last question of the show, guys. Josh, unless you got anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, our last question of the show is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you guys too much about why we chose that particular theme for a show about entrepreneurs and founders, what, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your lives and careers? Yeah, I can start. So I think I probably alluded to that earlier. So living in gray area. So being uncomfortable. Once you are comfortable, that actually for me is uncomfortable because I like to continue to stretch myself and do things. And that's why I got my MBA and worked full time at the same time. So like, I just am always trying to look at towards next and what else I can do. And that's just how I'm wired. And like, I always like to stay active. And as soon as and it's weird, if I have downtime for a day or two, I just like don't know what to do with myself. That's kind of where I look forward to that uncomfortability and that's what that kind of means for me. So always kind of being in that great space, being able to operate it well and, uh, and can you stretch yourself? Sure. I mean, I'll let go of that. I mean, I would say for me, it means just go for it. Addison and I did not have industry experience and this was a passion and you're going to be uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable every day. I mean, we're encountering things that we have no experience with and you, you can handle more than you think. So just going for it and, and taking the risk when it presents itself. Awesome. That's great answers, guys. And uh, it's been great talking to you both. Appreciate you coming in to talk about Switch and, and sharing your story with Conquer and Columbus. Awesome. No, thank you guys for having us. Yeah. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If uh, you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more, just like them, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. We appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>